Good morning. Thank you. We love a superhero. We want a hero. We are drawn in to their stories. Um, and I don't know if you're in a position where you get to overhear little boys' conversations very often, elementary age, but a big topic of discussion right now that I have heard is the merits of Batman versus Superman. And while that's not a movie that I recommend that they watch for several years, it is um, a fun debate. And uh, yes, we all like to, tr- to play superheroes. So, um, And basically what that argument comes down to, what I've heard, is Batman is a vigilante, and Superman's actually an alien. But they both want to come together. They both want to do good. Um, When I was growing up in the 80s, so before the 90s Batman movies all came out, it was Superman that was the hero of choice. And in those movies, in Superman 1, 2, 3, and 4, that hero was played by a man named Christopher Reeve. And I love this quote by uh, Christopher Reeve. He said, A hero is an ordinary individual who finds the strength to persevere and endure in spite of overwhelming obstacles. And there's a few more. These, these are my children dressed up as superheroes that you'll see. Um, but the, <laughs> the Bible has its own Heroes of Faith chapter, its own superheroes list of men and women in Scripture. It's found in Hebrews chapter 11. Um, but before we read that list of superheroes, we're going to start in chapter 12. <laughs> and Hebrews chapter 12, verses 1 and 2 says, Therefore... Since we have so great a cloud of witnesses surrounding us, let us also lay aside every encumbrance and the sin which so easily entangles us, and let us run with endurance the race that is set before us, fixing our eyes on Jesus, the author and perfecter of faith. This verse talks about perseverance. It talks about this pursuit, this journey, this grand adventure of life. But I feel that we can only read those verses in the beginning of chapter 12 in light of chapter 11. Um, Because, as a good friend and a mentor of mine through college would always say, whenever you're reading the Bible and you get to a therefore, you need to stop and ask yourself, what is that therefore, therefore? And so we're going to go back to chapter 11 and spend some time um, reading that and find out, um, because if you, if you heard at the beginning of chapter 12, it said, therefore, since we have so great a cloud of witnesses surrounding us. And that therefore is that we pursue with perseverance our faith in light of the examples of these men and these women of scripture, these people of faith, these superheroes, this great cloud of witnesses. What I want to tell you before I start reading chapter 11 is that there's going to be a long list of names. And as I read through that, I don't want it to just roll over you or for you to tune out. What I would like is for you to listen and recognize that while I might say the word character this morning, these were real men and women of flesh and blood and struggles and joys and pain and moments of great weakness and disappointment, of frustration, of sin, but also great victory. Because ultimately the reason that they are recorded in Hebrews chapter 11 is because of their faith. Faith of being sure of what they hoped for and certain of what they did not yet see. And they did that with perseverance. They pursued God with that faith. And you can follow along up here if you want to. But Hebrews chapter 11 starts, Now faith is the assurance of things hoped for, the conviction of things not seen. 
For it, for by it, the men of old gained approval. By faith, we understand that the worlds were prepared by the word of God, so that what is seen was not made out of things that are visible. By faith, Abel offered to God a better sacrifice than Cain, through which he obtained the testimony that he was righteous, God testifying about his gifts, and through faith, though he is dead, he still speaks. By faith, Enoch was taken up so that he did not see death, and he was not found because God took him up, for he obtained the witness that before his being taken up, he was pleasing to God, and without faith, it is impossible to please him, for he who comes to God must believe that he is and that he is a rewarder of those who seek him. By faith, Noah, being warned by God about things not yet seen, in reverence prepared an ark for the salvation of his household, by which he condemned the world and became an heir of the righteousness which is according to faith. By faith, Abraham, when he was called, obeyed by going out to a place which he would receive as an inheritance. And he went out not knowing where he was going. And by faith, he lived as an alien in the land of promise, as a foreign land, dwelling in tents with Isaac and with Jacob, who were fellow heirs of that same promise. For he was looking for the city which has foundation, whose architect and builder is God. By faith, even Sarah herself received the ability to conceive, even beyond the proper time of life, since she considered him faithful who had promised. By faith, Abraham, when he was tested, offered up Isaac, his only son, who he had received as a promise. It was he who it was said, in Isaac, your descendants shall be called. And he considered that God is able to raise people even from the dead, which he also received him back as a type. By faith, Isaac blessed Jacob and Esau, even regarding things to come. By faith, Jacob, when he was dying, blessed each of the sons of Joseph and worshipped, leaning on the top of his staff. By faith, Joseph, when he was dying, made mention of the exodus to the sons of Israel and gave orders concerning his bones. By faith, Moses when he was born, was hidden for three months by his parents because they saw he was a beautiful child and they were not afraid of the king's edict. By faith, Moses, when he had grown up, refused to be called the son of Pharaoh's daughter, choosing rather to endure ill treatment with the people of God than to enjoy the passing pleasures of sin, considering the reproach of Christ greater riches than the treasures of Egypt, for he was looking to the reward." By faith he left Egypt, not fearing the wrath of the king, for he endured as seeing him who is unseen. By faith he kept the Passover and the sprinkling of blood, so that he who destroyed the firstborn would not touch them. By faith they passed through the Red Sea, as though they were passing through dry land. And the Egyptians, when they attempted it, were drowned. By faith the walls of Jericho came down after they had been encircled for seven days. By faith, Rahab the harlot did not perish along with those who were disobedient after she had welcomed the spies in peace. And what more shall I say? For time will not allow me this morning if I tell you about Gideon, Barak, Samson, Jephthah, David, Samuel, and the prophets, who by faith conquered kingdoms, performed acts of righteousness, obtained promises, shut the mouths of lions, quenched the power of fire, escaped the edge of the sword, from weakness were made strong, from became mighty in war, and put foreign armies to flight. So why did I read most of that chapter to you? Well, my hope is that as you listened, you were stirred at some point. 
And I pray that either for the first time in your life, or maybe just as a needed reminder, the words of scripture came alive to you. They drew you in, and they told a story. And whether these are stories that you're familiar with, or these men and women have become dear friends over years of studying the Bible, or whether it's the first time you've ever heard their names, that you were pulled in, your interest was piqued by their names and by their stories. Because what I read was really just a teaser, like the back cover of a book or a movie trailer, you know, the really good ones where it doesn't give the entire story away, but it gives you just enough of a taste that you want to go back later and read the whole thing or watch the whole movie. Um, And that is what I would hope that you would do, is at some point you would go back through this Hebrews chapter 11 and look up one or two of those men or women. And most Bibles are set up where if you look at the... um, Along the sides or down on the bottom, you'll find some notations or citations of where you can find the full account of those men and women um, in your Bible and read some more about them and get to know those people a little bit more. But in this chapter, Hebrews 11, there were 16 people mentioned by name, and there were a few more, but there were 16 by name. But what I want to point out, what you did not hear, was a formula. There was no A plus B equals faith. And I hope you're encouraged by what was not the same, that they were different people with different stories, and yet they were all remembered for their faith. I think that's telling, and I think it's significant. Um, And for me personally, it's very encouraging, because while there are certainly parameters and boundaries laid out in Scripture, there is um, wisdom in leaning in to those who have experience. There are helpful hints and suggestions. There is also great freedom, and there is amazing grace, and there is deep love. And with that, there is flexibility. Um, and some examples of that would be, in your Bible, nowhere will you find whether or not you need to feed your children organic strawberries. Um, you won't find in your scriptures clarity on bedtime toddler routines. <laughs> I can't. I've tried. Um, you won't find how to potty train. You won't find how to teach reading or even how to say goodbye to your college freshmen after you've just helped them move into their first dorm room. There is no one-size-fits-all. There's no formula. There's no guarantees. There's no one and only way. There is a God who created individuals, and he loves us, and he moves in us personally. He draws us to him, and he calls us to obedience in him. So my desire this morning is to try to equip you for how you can apply that, not just to your life um, personally, but also for your children and in your homes and with your families. And the way that I'm going to do that is primarily talking about the value and giving you some practical examples of studying biblical characters, um, the shaping and defining traits of, that they can teach us as we read those. So first, again, I would recommend you go to your Bibles and read chapter 11 of Hebrews and work through some of those 16 people that are mentioned there. Use the citations that are in your Bible to read the full story. Um, and not only that, but then go back and share those with your children. Read them to your children. Teach them to your children. Because I believe that's exactly what the author of Hebrews was doing. He was giving his audience this reminder of faith, and not as some abstract or lofty term, but in very practical lives, in in the flesh of 
men and women of stories that were known um, of lives that had been recorded and been passed down from generation to generation, from mother to child, again and again and again, these examples of perseverance. Um, And this can be done at a very young age with board books. These are little hard books for infants and toddlers. This is one on Noah. And essentially, it's a story about one character from the Bible. But then when you read that, be intentional about pulling out the character traits of that person. Talk about them. And just to let you know so you don't have to furiously write, in your magazines, there's a book list of all of these. Um, this is another one. This is actually my two-year-old son's favorite right now. It's a peekaboo style one. And so you have um, a cute little poem on one side that tells you some of the character of the person and then peekaboo you get to find out who it is and so this is a favorite of his right now as they get a little bit older you can start reading um, children's bibles and most children's bibles well by the way you'll notice our well-loved favorites in our home are now all held together by duct tape that'll be a pattern as well but most children's bibles the stories are set up where they're focused on one character or one man or woman from scripture and so when you're reading that to them you can pull out those character traits so when you're reading about daniel you can talk about how brave he was when he did this or gideon you could say i really feel like god gideon trusted god when he did this Um, or ask your children what What do they hear about that person as you read to them? Um, One for my daughters that we have really enjoyed is, this one's really beat up, but it's My Princess Bible. And I would say it's good for ages probably two to four. And we like it because it takes different women from Scripture and it pairs them with a specific character trait. And so an example would be Ruth is paired with loving her family. But the intention of the book is not just to pair that character with the trait, but to also pray that and display that for your children. And so the the story of Ruth ends with, a princess loves her family. And then you insert your child's name. Abigail is God's special princess. Abigail loves her family. And then as they've gotten older... We've moved on to kind of the follow-up book to that. It's called Princess Stories. And in this one, it's the same format. It's one woman of the Bible paired with a character quality. But the chapters are a little bit longer. There's more details given. Um, And in here, Ruth was paired with the quality of loyalty. And so after, at the end of the couple pages about her, it specifically asks a couple of questions to remind you, um, how did Ruth show that she was loyal to Naomi? And then to apply that in your life and in your children's lives, the next question is, what are some ways that you can show that you are loyal to your friends or your family? Um, As they get a little older, these are Bible readers um, or easy-to-read books. And they are the same concept or the same idea as the board books. Just as you read them, as you read about this one character, about John, about Moses, is about Joshua, as you read them, you're intentional about drawing the character traits out and talking with your child about them. The difference now is that your child is reading the book to you. And I found these at Dollar Tree, and um, this is a level one reader, and it says it's for emerging readers in grades K through one, about ages four to seven. Does anyone have a child that age? This is for you. And then this one is a level two reader. The suggestion here is uh, grades two to four, uh, um, ages seven to nine. For you. There you go. So enjoy those. (laughs) Those are at Dollar Tree if anybody else needs to 
do some reading. Um, for boys, I wouldn't say there are any specific books that I recommend. I would say that your Bible is full, Scripture is full of men to go through and study one by one and learn about. Um, but I would recommend specifically the book of Proverbs. Um, it was written by King Solomon to his son, and Proverbs means a collection of wise sayings. And they've been collected with the purpose of being shared from a parent to a child um, to give life to give wisdom and knowledge and understanding on how to live well and live in obedience and live abundantly. And I heard a friend several years ago talk about studying the book of Proverbs with his dad through kind of middle school, high school age, and the impact that that had on his life. Uh, Most of you know Julie Brasington, the happy home fairy. Well, that man was her husband, Ryan Brasington, who is the worship pastor here at Rio Vista Community Church. And I told him that I was going to be sharing that idea, and I asked his permission to share his experience. And he wrote me back and said, my dad was big on having us kids study Proverbs. He would have me read a chapter or a section at night and then discuss what I had read. Sometimes he'd have me draw a picture to illustrate what I read or to apply it to a real-life situation. Whenever he had to discipline, redirect, or counsel me, Proverbs were always on the tip of his tongue. Looking back, I see how it was such an important part of my spiritual development. To see how God's word had immediate relevance to my daily decisions between wisdom and folly, life and death. And largely because of my father, who not only taught me to treasure the Proverbs, but also exemplified their truth to me through such crucial years of development. So I would suggest that you study Solomon, or maybe start with King Saul, and then study King David, and then David's son, Solomon, and then go through that book of Proverbs with your son. And maybe that's a daddy-son study. Maybe that's something that you do with your son. Um, But there is much practical wisdom specifically about perseverance to be shared in that book. So I would recommend that. As they get older, there are these novellas by um, an author named Francine Rivers, and she wrote five short little novels about women in the Bible, and they are from the genealogy of Jesus in Luke. And so there's Tamar, Ruth, Rahab, um, Bathsheba, and Mary. And then she also wrote five books on men from the Bible. And there's not as much of a common theme between them. She calls them the sons of encouragement. I would say they're probably lesser known characters in the Bible. And so instead of writing about Moses, she wrote about Aaron. Instead of um, an Isaiah or a Jeremiah, she wrote about Amos. Um, But these books are fiction. I need to be clear about that. But I would say that the stories of these men and women are taken directly from scripture. And I feel like the fingerprints of those stories are woven throughout these books. Um, And she just ties it together with her fictional writing. And I would recommend these for older children, um, maybe a high school or college student, or honestly, even an adult child, um, and approach them about reading it together, reading it as a book club, reading it at the same time. And maybe they're probably past the age where you're actually sitting down and reading with them regularly, but you can read the book at the same time and have just natural conversations that come from that. Or each of the books has... Uh, study questions or directed questions at the end for each chapter. And so you could be very intentional and say, I know life is busy with work and school and just everything, but what if we were both reading this at the same time and we could uh, email or talk on the phone or kind of give us something common to talk about besides just the day in, day out of, of our lives. And so I think that the stories are very engaging. I think they will draw you in. 
I think they will point you to scripture. I think you'll enjoy them, and I think your children will too. They're fun books. Um, My final idea is what I call an Esther evening, and it's basically a girls' night. Um, I first did this with my sorority in college, but last week, or a couple weeks ago, I had an Esther evening with my daughters, who are five and seven, and um, these are my girls. But if you're not familiar with it, in the Bible, the book of Esther tells the story of a brave and beautiful young woman named Hadassah, who (laughs) saves her people. In chapter two, the young women are all gathered together for six months of lavish beauty treatments. Um, Throughout the book, there's several several banquets or lavish dinner parties. And then in chapter nine, the the story ends with a big party called Purim that's to be celebrated to this day. So to illustrate this, I had a girls' night or slumber party with my daughters. And we painted nails. You saw pictures of a lot of this. They took a bubble bath. We had a fashion show. They took out all of their dress-up clothes and tried all of it on for me. Um, we, I fixed their hair. We made hamatashin cookies and ate cookies. Um, but throughout the evening, as we did all of these fun, girly activities, I pulled out several different children's Bibles, and we read the different versions of the story of Esther in them. And we talked about them. We talked about who she was and how she was brave and how we could be like her and how she loved her family and she was obedient to God. Um, we also watched the VeggieTales version of the story of Esther. Um, and this, obviously, this could be adapted to the ages or personalities of your daughters. Uh, maybe they're older. Maybe a treat for you would be to go out and get a pedicure or a beauty treatment somewhere out. Or maybe it's fun to just stay home and have a girls' night together. We, Like I said, we watch the VeggieTales version for older children. There's also One Night with the King, a different movie version if you want to stay up and cuddle and watch the story of it. But as I said, the point of it was to make her story and make her come alive for my girls and to talk about that, to talk about who she was and how we want to learn from her and be like her. And so ultimately, why study biblical characters? Why read these stories of these men and women in Scripture? I would say it's because they are the great cloud of witnesses that Hebrews 12 speaks of. They're the heroes of the faith. They're the superheroes of the Bible who through trials of many kinds displayed faith in many ways. And what encouragement that gives us, that we're not forced into a box or a formula. They each persevered, and they teach us about perseverance. It says that they surround us and that we are to look to their lives as examples of faith as we persevere. They have gone before us, and they have received what James 1.12 calls the glorious crown, And they remind us to show great grace to everyone because everyone has a story and every story is significant. Thank you.